0: Um, First of all, VBS starts tomorrow. Uh, If you weren't aware of that, VBS starts tomorrow. If you do not have registration forms turned in for kids, that's okay. VBS is open registration throughout the week, so you're able to bring your kids and and sign them up. But that will start tomorrow. We're still in need of a few food items. You can talk to Sarah English, who is in the back. Sarah English, or you can go look at the bulletin board out in the uh, fellowship hall to see that. We're planning a baptismal service on Sunday, August 6th at 7 p.m. If anyone is interested, you can please uh, talk to Pastor Bob. And we're having a back-to-school movie on the wall again. I don't know if you remember that last year. We watched Zootopia back here and invited all the Iwana kids and VBS kids to come out. Um, We're going to do that again this year. We're going to watch Pete's Dragon, uh, a new one that was put out. It was really good. Um, So we're we're planning for that on August 11th. It's a Friday night. Um, And we're going to be giving a gift out to every school-aged child in attendance. And if you remember from last year, we we gave them school supplies as well. We'd like to do that again this year. Um, So we're asking for donations of the things that are listed here, spiral-bound notebooks, pencils, erasers, and glue sticks. That's it, so that we're able to put the same thing in each bag for each kid. Um, So that's something we're able to do. We'd greatly appreciate that. And lastly... There will be a memorial service to celebrate the life of Denise Knoll tonight here at Word of Life Chapel. Um, Greeting time is from 5 to 6, and the service will begin at 6 p.m. And with that being said, there will be no evening activities here at the church, no youth group, no prayer meeting, um, but Denise's service will start at 6. Let's open our service in prayer today. Gracious God, we are so thankful for who you are. God, you love us more than we'll ever know, and we're thankful for that. Lord, we ask that today you would speak. Let us hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with us as we sing to our Lord this morning? We'd like to teach you a new song to start the service this morning. Very simple. Let's go to the chorus, Pete, if that's all right. We'll teach you the chorus this morning. It goes like this. Glory to God,
1: glory to God, glory to God forever. Glory to God, glory to God,
0: glory to God forever. Oh, sounds like you already know it. <laughs> All right, here we go.
1: To The breath of those surrounding me And I can hear The sound of nations rising up We will not be overtaken We will not be overcome Down this dark and painful road I can't fade we feel on
2: This morning. Um, Pam Snyder, her oldest sister, uh, is going to be having triple bypass surgery sometime this week. Uh, so uh, she asked that I mention that to you. We didn't have a chance to get it printed uh, in our, uh, on our prayer list. And then Steve Border's brother, Tom, um, he has a very good report. Uh, you'll see his name there uh, of, under loved ones and friends. Uh, Steve called and said that all the cancer at this point uh, after the surgery is gone. So that's a real answer uh, to prayer. I have a letter also from uh, Joanna Byrne, and Tony, you might have to help me with one of these uh, uh, names, one of these tribal names, but she writes this, uh, Dear friends at Word of Life Chapel, thank you so very much for your faithful prayer and financial support for Ivan and Cindy Lopez and Tito and Dilma, Herbie, Ebi, Elbi. There's another word, just a minute. It is exciting to see how the Lord is working to bring tribal people to him in Bolivia. The radio tower was struck by lightning a uh, a few months back. It is still on the air, but still has some problems. Please pray uh, that the issues will be finally fixed. Our tribal missionaries in, O-R-O-M-O-M-O, yes, are are teaching the Bible chronologically in three languages each Sunday and throughout the week in discipleship. Please pray as the word goes out. Thank you again for being a part of getting the gospel out to the unreached. Uh, And then she says uh, in a PS, thank you also for the gift Uh, That you gave to the airplane fund last year. And so we thank the Lord uh, for that. So, Father, as we come before you this morning, we thank you. We thank you that you are a great God, that you are an awesome God. And, Father, the God that we read about and will be reading about in the Old Testament is the God today and forever. Father, you don't change. The Bible says you're immutable. Uh, The Bible says, Lord, that you are a great and wonderful God, and the same God in the Old Testament is the same God in the new, and the same God that we have today. For that, Father, we thank you. We thank you that your ways are above our ways, that your thoughts, Father, are well beyond our thoughts. You do things, Father, we wouldn't think ought to be done, but, Father, your ways are always right, they're always good. Help us to accept all things because all things come from your hand. We look around us in the world today, Lord, and we see turmoil, we see chaos, we see things that appear in our minds to be out of control. But we are thankful for scriptures in the Old Testament that indicate that, Father, you control all things, that you are a God who controls all nations their ways, their destinies. And we find great hope in you and you alone. Father, I thank you that we can bring before you the great God, these Lord who have great needs. We think of those like Pam's oldest sister who will be having surgery this week. We pray all goes well. We praise you after much prayer for Tom Bordner that the cancer is gone. We thank you for works in Bolivia through these missionaries that we now support that is successful. And Father, those unsaved are being reached with the gospel, we thank you for that. We also bring before you this morning, the service tonight. Father, again, your ways are not our ways. You have taken home a young lady, father of 45 years of age, with so much life still ahead of her. And and yet, Lord, your choice was to take her home. Father, we thank you that we had a great um, part uh, in her life, and she in ours, as she grew up, Denise, in this church. We thank you, Lord, for the Headings family. We thank you, Lord, for her marriage to Brian Nolt. And I pray that the service tonight, Lord, might bring honor and glory to you. Again, Father, recognizing that, Father, your ways are not our ways. Father, you do some things that we don't quite understand. But Father, we're thankful for who you are and that you do things well. So may tonight bring glory to you. Please comfort the Headings and Knoll family we pray. Father, as we continue our service this morning, we pray that your will might be done among us, that your spirit might move in a special way as only your spirit does, that you might draw us to yourself, that you might change us through your word, that, Father, when we leave here today, we would be different as a result of our time spent with you. We have come here today to worship you in spirit and in truth. And pray, Lord, that you might work in that wonderful way in our hearts to move us, to change us, to make us to become more like the image of your dear son. You are a great and wonderful God, and we thank you in Jesus name. Amen. So we sing once again about how great our God is. Turn to page 32. How great thou art.
3: I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we sing together, and then remain standing for a greeting time. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all stars and hear the rolling thunder thy power throughout the universe display then sings my soul my savior God to thee how great thou art how great thou art then sings my soul And sings my soul, my Savior. you sit down turn around greet someone and make them welcome
4: Good morning. Uh, This morning we've been singing about how great our God is. I love that last song we just sang, How Great Thou Art. And as I stand here, I've been thinking all week just about how great he is and how humble we feel when we think about standing in his presence. People talk about how they can't wait to get to heaven and have all the stars in their crown and be so beautiful. When I get there, I don't care if mine's made out of paper. I just have felt like I'm not worthy, but it's going to be amazing when we get a stand in his presence. journey and i meet the one who gave his life for me i will want nothing but to see the face of my lord I walk And thank Him for His saving grace when I stand in the presence of the Lord. When I look upon Him.
2: In my library, I have this uh, little book, a uh, little classic book actually. It's entitled Your God is Too Small. Your God is Too Small. And what J.B. Phillips does in this book is he says, We have created in our minds an image of God. We all have done that. But the image we have created in our minds is inadequate the image we have created is a much smaller God than the God of the Bible and so what he does as he works through this book is he demolishes uh, those images that we have for example he speaks about God being the grand old man upstairs We often think of God as the man upstairs, even a grandfatherly figure, very old-fashioned, or the resident policeman. We think of God as one who goes around as a tyrant, always causing us to feel guilty, having that guilty conscience. And so he demolishes all of these stereotypes And then he goes on to say that this God is not the God of the Bible, that our God is too small, and we have failed to think big enough about who God is. So I ask you a question this morning, how big is your God? How big is your God? Is your God the God of the Bible? Or have you limited God in certain ways? Someone said this, and I quoted it this morning in Sunday school. The size of your God will determine the size of your faith, which in turn will determine the size of your prayers. I believe that. The size of your God will determine the size of your faith, which will then determine the size of your prayers. We have been walking with Joshua now for a number of weeks, and uh, one thing for sure, uh, Joshua has a really big God. And God, uh, Joshua also has a really big faith. Joshua was a remarkable person. He was a courageous person. Let me give you an example of the reason I say Joshua had a big God. Back in the book of Exodus, when Moses was the leader of Israel, Moses sent 12 spies into the land, into the land of Canaan. And he did that for the purpose... That they might come back and give a report of the people in the land what the land was like and so when they came back these 12 spies 10 of the spies said the people are big and the land is vast and we look like these little grasshoppers in comparison to them but it was caleb and joshua Who came back with a very different report the report was yes that's true the people are big the land is vast but our god is bigger let's go against them joshua had a very very big god we also looked at joshua's big faith when god said to joshua now he is the leader of israel i want you to cross the jordan river Joshua went down into the water and put his feet in there. Joshua had faith in God. When God said, I will allow you to cross this river on dry ground, Joshua believed that. He believed that God was big enough and had faith enough to believe that God would part those waters. This morning, we move from Joshua's big God to a big faith, to a really, really big prayer. Let me give you some background information before I read the text. The battle of Jericho that we looked at last week when those walls came tumbling down there were people in Canaan the promised land that began to fear the Israelites if the Israelites could come and destroy this fortified massive city they could do the same to us and fear began to spread throughout Canaan and in chapter 9 of the book of Joshua, a group of people by the name of the Gibeonites, they really feared Joshua and the Israelites. So much so that they deceived and lied to Joshua and caused him to make with them a peace treaty. The Gibeonites were strong warriors. But they wanted no parts of the Israelites in battle. And so through deception, they caused Joshua to make this peace treaty with them. They were part of a group called the Hivites that God said to Joshua were to be destroyed. Well, this alliance with the Israelites did not sit well with the rest of the nation's in the land of Canaan. And so they decided, these other groups of people, to go against the Gibeonites and attack them, believing that the Gibeonites were traitors, that they are now siding with the Israelites and not with us. Joshua, now being a man of his word, you see, he made an oath that he and the Gibeonites would be in this alliance. He being a man of his word, when the Gibeonites are going to be attacked by these other kings, he will stand with them. Turn with me, please, to Joshua chapter 10. And let's read the story. Joshua chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. Now Adonai Zedek, the king of Jerusalem, he heard that Joshua had taken Ai and totally destroyed it, and doing to Ai and its king as he had done to Jericho and its king, and that the people of Gibeon had made a treaty of peace with Israel and had become their allies. He and his people were very much alarmed at this, because Gibeon was an important city, like one of the royal cities. It was larger than Ai, and all its men were good fighters. So Adonai Zedek, the king of Jerusalem, appealed to Hoham, king of Hebron, Param, king of Jarmuth, uh, Japhia, king of Lachish, and Debur, king of Eglon. Come up and help me attack Gibeon, he said, because it had made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and Eglon, they joined forces. And they moved up with all of their troops, and they took up positions against Gibeon and attacked it. The Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal. Do not abandon your servants. Come up with us quickly and save us. Help us, because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road going up to Beth Horan and cut them down all the way to Azekah and Makeda. And they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Horon to Azega and the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them and more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites on the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel sun stand still over Gibeon and you moon Over the valley of Ajarlan. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the nations avenged itself on its enemies. As it is written in the book of Jasher, the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before, or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely, The Lord was fighting for Israel. How big is your God? How big is your God? Is your God big enough to perform miracles in your behalf? Or does your faith limit what God is able to do? This morning, I want to look at a few principles relating to prayer. Prayer joshua had a big god which determined his big faith which led him to pray a big prayer one principle i see in these early verses is that we face opposition when it comes to prayer we face opposition in verse 5, it says the five kings of the Amorites, they moved up with all their troops against Gibeon. When it comes to prayer, we face great opposition. The Gibeon's, Gibeon's enemy was also Joshua's enemy. Did you know that prayer is one thing that our enemy the devil does not want us to do. One thing Satan does not want from us is to be on our knees in prayer. Last week we spoke of Satan being a roaring lion, seeking who he might devour. A lion usually is hunting and looking for the weak. They target the young. They target the old. They target the hurting because they're the easiest to take down. The strong will fight back. Lions want to devour the weak, the vulnerable. Satan is like that. Satan often seeks people who are hurting, people who feel crippled, disappointed, angry, discouraged. That's when Satan targets these people and tries to cause them to move away from God rather than moving toward God. And this is the very place at which we need God most. When we are down, when we feel the pain, when we are discouraged, that's when we need God's presence. That's when we need to come before God and bring to Him our petitions. And this is the very time in which Satan will attempt to keep us from coming before the presence of God. Oh, the needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Don't give Satan that foothold. Don't let him get a foot in the door. Don't give him that opportunity to keep you down. Jesus said, Always pray and never give up. Always pray and don't faint. We also need to live godly. Joshua, he was a man of his word. Joshua was a man of a great integrity. You see, he was deceived, he was lied to in this peace treaty. And yet when it came to standing behind the Gibeonites, he said, I must keep my word. I took an oath. Sometimes keeping our word and being men and women of integrity, it hurts. In Psalm 15, verse 4, it says, a holy person will honor his oath even when it hurts. Joshua was a man of his word. He was going to keep his oath. He was going to stand with Gibeon, who was once his enemy, but now he looks at Gibeon as his friend because he made a treaty with them. And now he is going to stand with them against the enemy. He did the right thing. He did what was necessary. You know, there's a verse back in Psalm 66 and verse 18. And it says this, that if I cherish sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. If I cherish, the word cherish means to love, to adore, to hold dear. It also means to foster or to nurture. If we know we're doing something wrong and we keep on doing it, and we ignore God's convicting work, if we keep fostering it and nurturing it, not dealing with it, permitting it, ignoring that this is really sin, we have no reason to believe that God is going to listen and answer our prayers. If we cherish sin in our hearts, if we permit it, If we love it, if we hold it dear, the Bible says the Lord will not listen. You know, the Bible says there's joy in sin for a season. We know that. We know there's joy. There's pleasure, the Bible says, in sin for a season. But it breaks fellowship between us and our God. If I cherish Sin in my heart, I ought not expect God to answer my prayers. We also have God's promises. I like verse 8 because it's not a new promise to Joshua. As a matter of fact, it's just an old promise just repeated. But what God wants to do is reassure Joshua that God is in this, that I am behind you, that you can do more than when I'm on your side look at what it says in verse 8 the Lord said to Joshua do not be afraid of them I have given them these five kings into your hand and not one of them will be able to withstand you as I said this is not a new promise if we go all the way back to the very beginning of the book of Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 3 God said this before Joshua even was in the promised land. He said, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. I made Moses a promise. And Joshua, I've given you the very same promise. When you go into the promised land, I'm going to give you every place your foot sets. Now he needed that promise before he entered the promised land. And then, in Joshua chapter 6 and verse 2, just before they walked around the city of Jericho, remember the great walls tumbling down? Listen to what God God said to Joshua again, chapter 6 and verse 2, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Not a new promise, not new truth, it's old truth, but being reminded of it and then again here in chapter 10 uh, the same promise don't be afraid verse eight I have given them into your hand and not one of them will be able to withstand God is reassuring Joshua as he begins to move into the promised land as he begins to do battle against cities and kings God wants to reassure Joshua of this promise you know god often works that way not unveiling some new truth but just revealing promises that have already been given but somehow take on special significance in a new situation we don't always need new truth we just need old truth freshly supplied to a current need we have the scriptures we have so many promises right here. We just need to understand what they are and apply them to our current situations. Let me give you an example. We know of the things taking place in our world today, we know the rising tensions between us and various countries of the world, like North Korea, who now are. Uh, Testing these long range missiles. It's a scary thing to think that someday a missile might be able to reach the continental USA. There are people who fear. And yet the Bible says that God has not given us the spirit of fear. We read in Psalm 34 14, I sought the Lord and he delivered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. That's an old, old promise. But it applies to a new situation in which we find ourselves today. Maybe two years ago, your finances were pretty good. You always could pay the bills. But today, things changed. A job changed. Your salary was cut. Something happened. But today, a promise like this in Philippians 4.19 my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. That promise maybe didn't mean much two years ago, but today it takes on a whole new significance. Maybe five years ago you were strong, physically healthy, take on the world. It's not so today. Five years later, a verse like the one in Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It takes on a new significance. Maybe at your place of work, your boss decided to hire a new secretary. And she walks through the door and you look at her and she is gorgeous. She has something to see. And after two weeks, of verse like this, God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you are able to bear. It takes on new significance. Maybe you worry about death and dying. We recently, we, it seems as though there has been a few deaths. And Maybe you yourself, you're struggling with, what does that all mean? What does it mean to die? What does it mean to take your last breath here on this earth? And you're wondering to yourself, what really happens? What would happen to me if for some reason I was struck by a car and I passed away? We read in John chapter 3 and verse 16, For God, He so loved the world that He gave His one and only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him will not perish, but have eternal life. You see, the Bible doesn't want us to be ignorant about death. The Bible is quite clear that when we die, if we have trusted Jesus in this life, we're given eternal life and we will never perish, but have eternal life. So God gives us that assurance that to be absent from this body is to be in the very presence of God and so your worries about death you see here's this promise this wonderful verse in john that god loved us so much that he gave to us his only son and if we trust him if we believe in him we will not perish but we will be given eternal life it's not that we need new promises today but sometimes god takes these old promises that maybe they didn't mean much to us two years ago or five years ago or ten years ago. But today, in this current situation in which we find ourselves, it takes on new meaning. And we can freshly apply it to where we are. That's what God did to Joshua. God didn't give him a new promise. He just reassured him of the promises that he's given to him all along the way. And then in the closing verses of this chapter we see joshua he has a really big god joshua they travel all night long it says in verse 9 they marched from gilgal they took the enemy by surprise and notice what god does in verses 10 and 11 and by the way the most commentaries believe that yahweh is the subject in these verses That Yahweh is the subject. And there are four verbs that describe what God did. God threw. God slew. God chased. God smote. You see it says God threw them into a panic. God hurled down hailstones from the sky. Clearly, once again, this... Is God's battle this is God's battle God is the one crushing the enemy God is the one who is seen fighting God is the one who is seen as the great warrior in this battle but darkness is closing in daylight is beginning to vanish and Joshua knows that victory is yet not ours there is still more battle to be done but if darkness sets in that victory will be delayed and this is what prompts Joshua to come before God with this huge prayer son stand still Sun stand still. And God listens to Joshua and extends the hours of daylight so that the Israelites, so that the Israelites could defeat completely the enemy. I'm not going to attempt to explain this miracle. We studied this morning in Sunday school about an axe head floating to the surface of the Jordan River. We looked last week at the walls of Jericho that came tumbling down. The only way I could answer the question, how and what just happened, is found in Jericho 32. Is there anything too hard? For God. How do you explain a miracle? You can't. Except that God is able to do the impossible. Is God going to perform a miracle in your life? I don't know. I know that He can. I'm not saying He won't. But the point I want to make this morning is this. It's that God does respond to very big prayers. God does respond when we bring our petitions before him. Joshua had a problem, and he took it to God in prayer, and God did something about it. God did do something about it. I'll tell you what's really amazing, and that's this verse that says, the Lord listened to a human being. (laughs) I mean, think about that. The God of the universe would listen to Joshua. But did you know that the God of the universe, the almighty God, listens to you? That he really does hear your prayers? And so I ask you this morning, what what is your biggest problem right now? What what is that which, which keeps you up at night? What is it that you would say, you know, this is my greatest need? I challenge you by faith, take it, To the Lord in prayer. Take it to the Lord in prayer. God's a big God. He can handle anything you bring to Him. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. As surely, verse 14, as surely as the Lord was fighting for Israel, He will also fight for you. Father, we come before you this morning acknowledging that you are a very big God. You're, Father, a God who has created all things by your hand. Father, we thank you that this God that is able to cause axe heads to float, that causes sun to stand still, is our God. Help us not to make you too small, but give us the faith to believe that you are a big God. And as a big, omnipotent, great God, you are able to do all things. Father, again, we thank you that you've allowed us to come and worship you. Father, we humbly come before your presence this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Before we sing the final song uh, this morning, Sarah English would like to meet with all the VBS volunteers uh, up here in front after the service this morning. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, that is at work within us, to him be the glory, in the church and in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Would you stand with us as we sing, How Great is Our God.
1: The splendor of the King